It's your Wednesday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to be back for another day. Hope you guys are doing well out there. Really good show coming up. Um, Talked to a couple of friends of mine, um, regular podcast guest Keith Rashad and longtime friend Tim Klobuchar. We are going to take you on a little trip down memory lane. Today is 25 years since the Vikings lost to the Falcons in the NFC title game. I know it's hard to believe a quarter of a century has passed since then. Um, Lavelle Neal wrote a column about it in today's Star Tribune and on StarTribune.com. You can read that as well. But we took a little journey just back to that time, what it was like to watch the Vikings in that moment, that season, what that game meant. We had different perspectives on it. Keith was there. I was supposed to be there with him, but I ended up working. It was very early on in my Star Tribune tenure. In fact, I was on a, like a temporary six-month temporary assignment with the Star Tribune. I was still a student, technically, at the University of Minnesota. I was finishing up some coursework. Tim and I ended up watching that game in a small room at the Star Tribune, charting plays um, for that game with the expectation that we were going to be writing about a team heading to the Super Bowl. Then, of course, we weren't. So we will take you on a little trip. It doesn't have to be a painful trip. It's just kind of like a look back at what that time was like. So Check out that in just a little bit here. I've got some NFL hiring, coaching thoughts at the end of the show. First, though, what did I miss? If you thought Diamond Sports and its Bally Sports regional sports networks were on their way out, um, might have to detour those expectations. A big news emerging Wednesday morning, already Wednesday morning, Diamond Sports and Sinclair have reached an agreement that might keep Diamond Sports afloat beyond 2024. Help, let me explain here. Diamond Sports has been in bankruptcy for almost a year now, looked to be in a bit of a, looked to be basically winding down its operations instead, reports that they have settled their um, they're pending litigation with Sinclair, their parent company, for close to a half a billion dollars and gotten an influx of cash from a partnership with Amazon, which I'll get to in a little bit, for more than $100 million. Those two things combined will give them the cash they need to buy out their senior creditors, the ones that wanted to liquidate the company instead of keep it going, and allow them to stay solvent and keep operating independently beyond this season. What does that mean here? Three things I think that means. Number one, if it looked like this was a company in a wind down that there was they were kind of like looking to wrap up operations after this 2024 season looked like MLB was trending that way. They'd already signed these short-term one-year deals with the NBA and NHL to wind down after this season and be done. Those contracts were shortened. If it looked like that's where they were headed instead now, it looks like they are trying to sustain operations beyond this season. Now, what does that mean for those negotiations that just wrapped up with, with the NHL and NBA? That's a good question. Maybe those contracts get honored and they have to renegotiate after this year. Maybe it throws this whole thing into upheaval again. With baseball, it's particularly interesting because baseball and Diamond Sports were in the process of negotiating a similar deal from everybody's understanding. Those were in, those were deep discussions. Those were maybe going to wrap up this week. Instead, now, that gets thrown into a bit of chaos. So the upshot here is that if you thought that this was headed in a different direction, if you thought that 
if if you thought that there's only going to be at the most one year more of Diamond Sports in the picture of of these kind of regional sports networks being run by Diamond Sports, that may no longer be the case. Now, another piece of this is that Sinclair is now potentially out of the picture, Amazon into the picture as a potential streaming partner, giving you know an influx of cash over a hundred million dollars. A bunch of these MLB games for five teams already in 2024 could wind up on Amazon Prime Video. Now, the New York Post reported the Twins were one of those five teams. From my information, that is not accurate. The Twins are not one of those five teams. And in fact, the Twins are still one of those teams very much in limbo right now. They don't have a TV contract yet for 2024. Their contract with Diamond expired at the end of the 23 season, and they've been trying to negotiate, along with a bunch of these other Diamond Sports teams, a deal for 24 and potentially beyond now, I guess. So, we thought there might be some clarity on that this week. That does not seem like it's going to happen. We might be into mid-February or even later before we know exactly how the Twins are going to be shown on TV and streamed this year. So that piece of it adds a new wrinkle of upheaval to all of this. And the Amazon piece is really interesting to me because Major League Baseball reportedly a couple weeks ago, Rob Manfred said um, while while Diamond was negotiating something with Amazon, I think this was a report in the New York Post, and that was after a report, a report from the Wall Street Journal suggested the two sides were trying to get something done. Major League Baseball didn't want that. They didn't want to give streaming rights to all all the Bally sports teams to uh, to Amazon. They wanted to negotiate directly with um, negotiate directly with Amazon as as you know cut out that middle partner. Well, now if they're going to be around longer, if Diamond Sports is going to be around longer, and they're having these streaming rights on Amazon, what does that mean? Major League Baseball can't be happy. I would think, at least in the short term thinking, Amazon has kind of wedged itself in here as a as a partner with with Diamond Sports. Could it eventually mean more teams will wind up? You know, streaming on Amazon. Could this fragment things a little bit? Will things no longer wind up on the MLB app? I don't know. We're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit there, but what it means in the short term is that five teams sound like they will be streamed through Amazon. That will be the platform for them as soon as this year, potentially, as long as this deal, in fact, is happening. So this is interesting to me. This kind of throws a new wrinkle into it. It could mean Diamond is around for longer. Quoting here, Diamond CEO David Preschlack said, We are thrilled to have reached a comprehensive restructuring agreement that provides a detailed framework for a reorganization plan and substantial new financing that will enable Diamond to operate and thrive beyond 2024. So there you go. That's the upshot of it. Diamond might be around longer than 2024. What that means for the Twins and other teams remains to be seen. But if you thought... They were winding things down. If you thought that this was going away after 2024, that might no longer be the case. We might have to wait longer to find out exactly what the Twins are doing in 2024 and beyond as well. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. It's a very special, kind of sad day on Daily Delivery. We're going to talk about 25 years ago. You go ahead and laugh at my pain. Go ahead. (laughs) 25 years ago. By the way, first of all, 
I can't believe it was 25 years ago, gentlemen. Uh, Keith Rashad, a regular guest on this show for Vikings Poetry, joins me. Tim Klobuchar, longtime friend of mine. He's been on before, too. Um, you were on the uh, the Gophers football episode from North Carolina earlier this year, right? Yeah, you were. No, actually, I wasn't. Oh, I you was missed traveling. that. That's right, because you were, you were yeah. gone by then. Sorry. So, long you were time, the, first time here. You were at the game, though. That's right. So Yes. Um we uh, we're we're going to talk about whether we and like it or not. Ship that daily delivery is known for here. <laughs> I I forgot that he wasn't there. Anyway, he was he was there in spirit. Um, we're going to talk about this whether we like it or not. It, it came to my attention that this is the 25 year anniversary Wednesday today of Vikings losing to the Falcons. I don't exactly know why I'm going to make you guys relive this, other than the fact that. We we were all because kind you don't of like us very much. I do like you very much, but we we were all kind of connected in a way, right? Like I was supposed to go to the game with you, Keith. We had tickets that year, and then I ended up working with you, Tim, because yeah. we were employees of the Star Tribune at the time, very early on in in that uh, in that tenure, and kind of at the last minute, our sports editor Glenn Crevier asked us if we would going to do this like quarter by quarter, like play of the quarter thing for the newspaper long before the internet was a big deal. This was like for the next day's newspaper um, and watch the game on like a tiny TV in the video, essentially like the, I don't even remember what that room was. No, I don't either. Um, there must've been printers in there or something like that. I can't, I, I, don't, I don't know why we were exactly. in there. It was a, it had t- like the TVs were not good or, it's or where, big. It's where the TV was. Yeah. The, the TV, it was the TV. That's where we could go watch the game. Um, I was angry for a while that I didn't get to go, but uh, Keith, I guess in retrospect, that was probably just as well. Yeah. That year we had, uh, those were back in the days when they were still struggling to sell tickets or that they had to do promotions every now and then. And we purchased the quote-unquote cat package for the what it was? season tickets. Yes. Okay. So we had tickets against the Jaguars, the Lions, and the Panthers. I did not remember season. that. Yes. And they absolutely destroyed all three of those teams during the regular season. So, of course, they're 15-1. and one, And we're like, well, it, we have to buy the playoff tickets. Now, keep in mind, this was 25 years ago. We were... In a slightly different socioeconomic status at the time. Okay. So maybe not with the secure jobs that we have nowadays. Um, No. And so Mike was literally a temporary reporter at the time. He I was and I a temporary both... reporter at the time. Yes. It was like yes. six months into like a temporary gig and I was still technically in school. Like I still had a year or like a few classes to finish up that next year. So yes, this was, we were not, we were not living large at that moment of our lives. No, we were students at the university of Minnesota and, and these were expensive. This was an investment, Yes, but they were 15 and one. And this was the team that was going to go to the Super Bowl. The first team in our lifetimes that we were conscious of going to the Super Bowl. I was alive yes. for the fourth one, and yes. but uh, far too young to have any memories whatsoever right. of it. So this felt like it was an important investment that we needed to make after years, after our quote-unquote years of suffering <laughs> as college students watching this team, uh, that this was going to be the one where they finally get over the hump and, and get to the Super Bowl, and we were going to be there to celebrate. With our cat package. Cat package. The cat package. Keith, weren't you born like a day before the Drew Pearson game? 
Yes, I was. I was born the day before Drew Pearson pushed off and ruined what I'm told was the strongest Vikings team's season of all time. So uh, we're not here to exactly just relive everything from that specific game or the pain, but like this. Yeah, we are. That that I, okay. I started okay, with Drew can. Pearson. Let okay. me start with Drew Pearson. Okay. Okay. Also, this is where also, I, I watch. I watch tape of this game, so I'm I'm prepared to. You came with it. tape? Okay. What? Well, okay. Yeah. You Why? Well, I don't I don't write poetry. So I figured yeah. I needed to find something to bring to the show. Tell, tell me things that surprised you when you went back and watched it or, or that, that you hadn't remembered the same way. Um, I had kind of forgotten um, the degree to which the Vikings, I don't want to say had the game won, but were dominant near the end of the first half. They, yeah. they had given up a, a touchdown to the Falcons on the opening drive. Um, they came back with a touchdown pass to Moss. And then Atlanta had two fumbles that the Vikings recovered. They turned those into 10 points. Anyway, they were up 20 to seven yes. and late in the half. And then that's when uh, Cunningham got uh, strip sacked um, with, a, with like a minute to go. And next play, Chris Chandler, touchdown pass. And it was 20 to 14. And all of a sudden that all of a sudden it was actually a game. They could have pretty much put it out of reach in that first half. Um, and then the the other thing from the, the second half, the the overtime, um, you know, I, I think the 2009 NFC Championship game was the one that kind of pushed the NFL to make that change so yes. that to give each team a chance, more or less, in, in overtime. Uh, the Vikings had two chances in overtime, they had the, yes. they, including they won the toss and so obviously um, had the ball first. And... They only got like two first downs in both of those drives. And then on third, I had forgotten how close they were to winning it on the second drive. Uh, it was, I think, third and 10. Um, Cunningham underthrew Moss, who was running wide open down the field. And he underthrew him by enough that Eugene Robinson broke it up at the last second. It was a fantastic play. And in retrospect, I wonder if Eugene Robinson regrets making that play <laughs> because <laughs> if he doesn't make it, uh, Moss probably scores a touchdown at the very least. It's their, their chip shot field goal range. Uh, and then, of course, he went on. Did something to, uh, happen to Eugene Robinson that yeah. next week? Um, and so I, I had kind of forgotten like how <laughs> how close the Vikings were to just winning it on a Cunningham to Moss bomb and how appropriate that would have seen for that season instead of just being appropriate for the Vikings history, which is what it turned out to be. I don't remember that play at all. Keith, do you remember that play? Now that Tim brings it up, I do remember that, that, that did happen. Yes. And by the way, apropos of, of, well, mostly apropos of, of nothing else. Do you remember what uh, Chris Chandler's nickname was? Crystal Chandelier. Yeah, he got injured all the time. They used to call him Crystal Chandelier. Uh, yes. That was a mean nickname. That's a good one, though. Like Chris, like a Crystal Chandelier, like the most fragile thing you could imagine. And so that's what they called him. That was, but yeah, here's the thing: the Falcons were were they like nine and a half or ten point underdogs? But they were fourteen and two that year. Like it, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's not like they were playing like some complete dog of a team. But to Tim's point, like they did at various points have that game won and even you know the the play you know unfortunately everybody remembers the anderson miss with what like 207 left would have mm -hmm. put him up by 10 not like 
the game is over over but two scores back then in uh, you know at that point feels like it would have pretty much done it but it, two or three different times even if you count the moss play like there are moments in that game where if the thing doesn't happen they probably go to the super bowl now here's here's the thing like everybody i don't know if it was sid that was driving this narrative or if it just became like kind of calcified over time but the the narrative to help ease the pain has been uh but a lot of vikings were hurt they would have got blown out by the broncos in that super bowl anyway um i don't know if that's true or not it would have been nice to find out <laughs> it would have been nice to find out anyway well i actually buy that narrative at least to a certain extent because exactly as you say there are two things there one is that as you said the falcons were 15 or 14 and 2 they were just one game behind that amazing Vikings team, right? So it's not like they were the worst team in the world. They were actually, or that they were just Cinderella's or upstarts or what have you. They were a very, very good team and then went and got destroyed in the Super Bowl by another 14 and two team that was the defending champs, right? So their path actually was much harder than we tend to remember it because we remember the glory of that particular year, which is why I have come around to believe that 2009 was really the last year. This 98 was was horrible, just awful because of the way that they lost and was so deflating. But I do think in retrospect that there were a lot of injuries that there were that they were playing two very good teams that they we're not as set up to win as we like to believe considering the totality of the circumstances of that season. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, um, I mean, I, I'm with you, Mike, that I would have wanted to find out and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to sugarcoat this as like, well, actually it's a good thing they lost. Um, they probably would have lost to, to Denver. They did like I, Robert Smith went out at the end of the NFC championship game with a knee injury. There were, they had a bunch of guys on defense hurt. Um, but I, what made it so painful, I think, is um, even knowing that they, you know, when you think about it logically, they probably would have lost that game. That season just had such a feeling of inevitability to it. Um, they were, they had scored the most points in NFL history up to that point. I think they've been passed like five times since then or something like that. Uh, but at the time, you know, the most potent offense ever. And then, of course, the narrative of Gary Anderson not missing any kicks all year long um, and then missing when it matters most. It was it was just it had that feeling of this was a team that was seemingly destined to to go all the way until they didn't. To Keith's point earlier, like that was the year too, obviously, that changed the fan base. Like you guys remember, like the mid 90s, even when they were winning with Denny Green, it was like every Every week or every time they played like a non-glamorous opponent, it felt like General Mills had to buy 5,000 tickets just so there wouldn't be a blackout of the game yeah. on TV. Like this this was not like this was not a team that was like capturing the imagination of everybody until that year. Yeah, it was we always we hear over and over again that it's a Vikings town and which it is, but you're you're right. Um that that might have been the case to a certain degree back then, but yeah, they, I remember those near blackouts really, really well. Um, I think so even what the, you're saying is this is yet another thing we can blame on the boomers. Yes, exactly. Yes. Blame the boomers. Um, I think didn't red McCombs have to buy some tickets. So the, some, a couple of the, 
uh, preseason games didn't get blacked out. I'm trying to remember, but anyway, probably you know soon enough that got um, that got wiped out, and it was yeah largely because of Randy Moss. And I remember purple like pride, purple pride. I remember it was pride. like ninety. I was ninety four or ninety five somewhere in there. Like my first, it was my freshman year, so it must have been ninety four. I, I think it was ninety four. Vikings play like a Thursday night game against the Packers. And I had a roommate who was a Packers fan, John. You remember, you remember John Rocket, of course. He was our roommate for a little while too. And his his high school friend Chad. And we just like we decided like last minute to go to that game and just like walked up to the Metrodome and like bought bought tickets to a Thursday night Packers game just like on the spot. Like you probably could not do that these days. And you probably would be paying uh a little bit. I don't think a college student uh necessarily on our on our budgets could probably afford to, to do that these days. So does that make it better or worse? I don't know. I mean, I kind of miss, you know, when we get nostalgic for things like the dome, which I do sometimes I like, you know, Keith, you and I went to a ton of games, Tim, you and I probably did too, like in the Mm -hmm. late nineties when they were bad, but you could, you had like the dollar, the dollar seats, the cheap seats for students. You had like, you know, the left field. Have, we have to we have to describe the scene, right? We okay. have to describe the scene that you and I at one point above and beyond, I think it was the cat package that inspired us to get season tickets. Yes. But, but we looked into it and we found the perfect season tickets for our situation. <laughs> the obstructed right? view. So we we had seats eight and eleven, eight, 11. in a row row four thousand twenty five. Section two thirty five. Yeah, way up in the corner of the Metrodome. Yes. And what was great about it is right, we were right by one of the poles that hold, held up the, the dome that deflated yes. a number of years later, right? And so there, there weren't any actual seats. There weren't, 9 and 10 didn't have any actual seats no. because they were right behind the pole. And so when you sat in your seat, you could see a so, uh, 85% of the field, you had to sort of lean over when when you wanted to see the rest of the action, right? But way up there, and it was perfect because it was $99 because there were such crappy seats to watch the Vikings. For the whole year. Imagine that. Imagine season tickets to the Vikings for $99. It was was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. But again, you know, you ask the question, is it better or worse? Because we had the kind of access to those games on our budget even though they were abstracted view, we could we could figure out a way to get into that building. Uh, nowadays, you just can't. Not not in the same way. No, no, you can't. And I think it. We we. It's not a, better or worse because they still lose, right? Yeah, it's the same thing ultimately. But we we. I mean, you used to be able to do that with a lot of teams. Like remember the Timberwolves did like the. I mean, they were bad for so long that they had to do this. But they had like the pay the pick promotion where it was like when. Whatever their whatever they got whatever their draft pick was in the lottery, that was how many dollars season tickets were going to be per game. And you were like hoping to get the number one pick, so you'd have like one dollar season tickets for. And what was it? It was it was two dollars for a ticket to a Twins game with a student ID. Yes, it was two dollars mm-hmm. as well too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Royal Credit Union smart checking accounts offer no monthly fees and no minimum balance. Enjoy financial freedom when you open your Royal Credit Union smart checking account online at rcu.org slash go checking insured by NCUA. We're just, t- we're just sitting around talking like a bunch of old guys, but it, it was a different we era. Are. Why that which is. we are, which Boy, we are. That's so yeah, surprising. Uh, that's, uh, <clears throat> these are facts. These are indisputable facts, but 
Um, yeah, it was just it was a different it was a different era. But that team, that '98 team, did change. I mean, it it changed things. I mean, if you don't if you don't have that if you don't have that team, if you don't have Moss, like I don't know how real the threat was eventually. But like you know, they do they stay eventually? Do they does that team just kind of like? falter do they eventually move to los angeles like all those empty threats who i don't really know we don't really know but that changed the trajectory of the franchise even if they lost that game yeah mccombs I, i'm trying to remember purple like pride. he yeah purple i mean he, purple pride. i do remember some, some saber rattling later on in his tenure about a new stadium and yeah i don't know how real the threat was but um it, the Moss season did kind of change everything I mean, in that regard. They didn't. They didn't get a new. They, a new stadium didn't open until eighteen years later. So I guess they were willing yeah. to be somewhat patient. But right, right. You know, but that era. You know, I mean, two years later they go to the NFC title game again, and that anniversary. It's not a. You know, it's not one of those kind of milestone anniversaries. But that anniversary was just a couple days ago too. The forty-one donut game, like. And then there's the season in the middle where they kind of just wasted time, and they had Jeff George, and they lost to the. Rams in the division round and Denny Green claimed that they would have won. They just ran out of time. That was one of my favorite uh, mm-hmm. favorite Dennyisms. And then it all kind of <laughs> gives gives way to the the Mike Tice era, which is one of Keith's most regretted eras of of Vikings history. Oh, Even though I he, hate I hated him so he much. He still had tickets for part of that, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it did. Certainly, certainly. But I want to say something else about the game as well, too. Yes, please it do. Gets, speaks to Tim's point from earlier as well, which is just a, this sort of sense of inevitability that this felt like the team. And, and again, in retrospect, we can see that maybe, it, it, like I said, it was a much harder path than than we imagine thinking about having that feeling of inevitability. But part of what made the game so disappointing was it felt like they did it to themselves, Right. right, that it was their own stuff that and things that they did that made them lose that game, right? So it was the the Gary Anderson miss, which somehow we have not spent fifteen minutes talking about, right? Just as well. It was Just that. Well. It was it was that underthrown pass to Moss that Tim reminded us of that could have been. It was and how we have not talked about taking a knee at the end mm-hmm. of the second half with the most potent offense in NFL history, right? How do you not give those guys a chance to make up for what happened at with the strip sack? So what that was more what, egregious but than I remembered by the way in, in rewatching parts of that game because I had been on I was thinking like it must it must have been like third and long or something like that and they must have been like pinned way deep to take a knee you know it was it was third and three and they were at their own 27 and they had two timeouts left so i, I you know like i know that the reason they kneeled was because they didn't want to have an incomplete pass and give atlanta the ball back with any time left but i mean they could have easily gotten you know, a five yard out or something like that. Or just run the ball. You or can just run, run the, the ball. ball. You can yeah, run maybe, the ball. And, hey, maybe you get four yards. Who knows? Yeah. At least it's not like literally giving up, you know? Um, so that was just, that just felt like a, a surrender to the um, ghosts of what happened at the end of the first half. Wasn't Leroy, wasn't Leroy Horde on that team? Couldn't he always yeah. got three yards? That was like right. the whole joke. Yeah. That, that was the Madden joke. Like if you need two yep. yards, I'll get you three. If you need five yards, I'll get you three. Mm-hmm. 
And that's where, that's one of the, again, so one thing is, yes, it felt like they did it to themselves, which what really, really hurt about that game. And But the other thing about it is that I think that's where, uh, <laughs> on occasion, I'm accused of being a little cynical, right? And <laughs> Who it's would possible. say that? I know. It's so strange. It's so strange to, to hear that. I don't Must know. Must be your enemies, from. not your friends that would say that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's also a reminder of how much bluster there is in this world, as if we need another reminder right now, right? Because all of these football coaches, right? And, and Zimmer drove me nuts about this. This is the thing that I think I ended up disliking about him the most is that we'd hear all this rhetoric from these football coaches about how you have to have courage. You have to do your job. You have to put it all on the line. You have to give everything 110%. You can't go out there with any fear. You can't go out there uh, thinking you're going to lose. And all of this stuff about, about courage and, and fortitude and strength. And then what does Denny Green do in a critical moment in the biggest game of his Vikings tenure? but give up with the most potent offense in NFL history. And the lack of courage that you see from a lot of these coaches in these situations just drives me insane. And the, the sort of hypocrisy that that goes along with it, there's this rhetoric about, about fortitude and courage and, and strength all goes out the window when the coach's uh, uh, decision-making's on the line. And that was one of those moments where where everything turned, right? Denny lost the city when he did that. That was that was sort of the end. There were a lot of people who didn't like him to begin with. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine why, okay? I can't imagine what about Denny Green might have led some people to perhaps not like him in the first place. But uh, that was the moment where it felt like it was over for that tenure, even though they did go to the championship game not long after that. And, you know, you mentioned Madden earlier. There was zero – he he and Summerall didn't criticize that call at all. They just said, like, eh, and now they're going to play for overtime. Um, like, it was just the most normal thing in the world. And I don't know, maybe has, has football changed that much in the 25 years? Like, that seemed like a terrible decision at the time. Um, and especially when you didn't have uh, the – possibility or you didn't have the not so much the guarantee but a better chance of getting the ball in overtime like you know for all he knew that could have been the last snap of the entire season they could have lost the toss and it just seemed like a ridiculous it was seemed like more of a gamble to take a knee than it was to try to actually get a first down and move the ball well especially since there's no especially since there's no downside really to trying even if you were even if you go ultra conservative and run the ball there it's not it's not like you're in third and 12 like third and three you might run the ball and pick up a first down then you can call your timeout and and see if you can move the ball and get into field goal range and atlanta had no timeouts left so they could exactly do much yeah and i was in the building as i mentioned i was in who went who went with you i can't remember so uh that's the other thing about that day it was so cold. It was so incredibly cold that day. And uh, I ended up going with a, uh, I was a student janitor at the University of Minnesota at the time, right? And I ended up going with a, a co-worker 
another fellow student who I, who I happened to know, and he was he was a nice enough guy, and and I I liked him. Uh, we weren't the best of friends, but uh, I you know I couldn't think anybody else at the time who might want to go to this particular. So I went with him. And it was so very, very cold. And at the end of it, I was just numb, right? I didn't even want to talk to anybody. And it was a good thing that there was a holiday the day after. So I didn't have to talk to anybody that next day. Uh, and when the game was over, I remember I've never seen 60,000 people so silent as they just shuffled out. And there was a small pocket of, of women about three or four with Atlanta Falcons jerseys on who were really celebrating in one small part of the, the stadium. And we just sort of shuffled out and it was freezing. And we ended up picking up this, this woman who was crying because she was so cold. And uh, she asked us to drive us somewhere. turns out she drove, wanted to drive us, had us drive her to the liquor store uh, and then asked for money. And that's where we kind of drew the line. Right. But so I went with this coworker and and we just didn't talk much in the car after that. And I was thinking about it in the wake of of your asking to do this podcast. And I remember it's, it's like, okay, I went to this game with this guy. I don't know if I ever saw him again after that. <laughs> That's weird. I really don't know. It's like I must have run into him at work after that, some point in time. But, but it's like almost like he just sort of disappeared with the game, right? <laughs> made him dissolve into the ether. Let's it, blame it, him. Can we blame yeah, him? Sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tim and I, like, like I said, like we, we were bummed, right? Like I was going to go to the game. I don't know, Tim. I can't remember if you had tickets originally or not. But no, I did not. But you know, if you have your if you have your choice, probably like watching that game in a, you know, with me in a tiny enclosed space versus like having an actual, like hopefully celebratory party probably wasn't what we had in mind, but yeah, trying to write about that afterwards was just like, nobody wanted to do it at that point. No, I remember us trying to figure out like, what, what what's our, like, we could, yeah, we had to come up with the play of the quarter. Uh, for, oh, for what was quarter. possibly the play of the quarter of the fourth quarter? Um, I think, I believe we talked about having, uh, having the taking a knee play, play of the quarter. Um, I don't think we, I, I don't think our editors would have that appreciated was a, that. That was at the end of the first half though, right? The, taking a knee? No, taking that was the end of the, of the game. quarter. At the end of the first yeah, half yeah, yeah, was yeah. where they should have taken a knee or could have taken a knee, but ended up fumbling. Yeah. And yep, 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 yep. So the, I'm sure the play of the quarter was the missed field goal, right? Or was it the touchdown that tied the game? I can't remember even. I think I, I believe we talked about doing the missed field goal too, but I'm I'm pretty sure we ended up going with the tying touchdown. The tying touchdown pass, you, you which cowards. Another another thing that I forgot is that Robert Griffith had a shot at two uh, two times. He had a shot at an interception um, on that game tying drive too, including one in the end zone that was right before the play before the tying touchdown pass. Neither you know neither one of them was like. A, a gimme by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just a couple of those, you know, two more of those just, uh, you know, if, if just one more thing had gone right for the Vikings, that they would have won. Can, can we be done talking about yep, this? I'm really glad I made you watch that game again. I'm really glad I made you guys talk about this game, but we can be done. <laughs> Thank you guys. 25 years. Um, at least we're all still friends. We, we made it through and uh, thanks, yeah, for joining me. thanks for joining me today. Thanks. 
I hope that was cathartic or at least informative. You know, after talking to those guys, I had to go back and watch the the play that Tim was referencing where Moss was open in overtime, but there was an underthrow. And yeah, that was pretty egregious. That could have ended the game or like he said, at least got them into field goal range. Instead, the pass broken up and there you have it. Um, one other thing that caught my eye when I was watching that, you can watch the full replay of the game on, on this is available on YouTube right now. You can watch the full replay of that game pretty easily. Um, right before they took a knee at the end of regulation, it was second and three. Cunningham goes back to pass. It's like second and three from the, <clears throat> from the Vikings own 27. He goes back to pass. He's got, he kind of rolls to his right because he feels a little bit of pressure. Moss is running deep in double coverage. He throws it up to Moss. He misses Moss. Moss got turned around a little bit. But if you watch the replay, I know Cunningham was at the end of his career. He wasn't quite, he wasn't running like he was early in his career. He only ran 32 times that year for 132 yards, but could still scramble. He had a bunch of room on the right side. Could have easily, in my estimation, run for at least a first down, maybe more, probably could have gotten out of bounds at like the 35. And maybe from there, they still got the two timeouts, like Tim's saying, maybe from there they can move into field goal range in that time. Certainly wouldn't have taken a knee on the next play. So another woulda, coulda, shoulda moment from that game. Not trying to relitigate something that happened from 25 years ago. You can't change what happened. He could have easily, you know, Moss could have come down with that ball, winning game, touchdown, things like that. That could have been the way the game ended. It didn't. But every time you watch a game like that, you find one extra moment that you don't realize in real time or you didn't even realize over the years. They kind of calcify around these like signature things, the take a knee, the the wide left, the <clears throat> the strip sack, everything that happens along the way. You kind of forget about these other little moments that it could have turned the game. And that was one that caught my eye upon a quick rewatching. Let us finish with the cooler now. What a wild NFL head coaching cycle this is going to be, right? Jim Harbaugh and Bill Belichick available. Both of them have, by the way, already interviewed with the Falcons. Harbaugh has also interviewed with um, Harbaugh's also interviewed with the Chargers. Wonder if there's going to be some other high-profile vacancies. <laughs> just as I said that, I just I paused recording and make sure that Dallas hadn't fired Mike McCarthy yet. You wonder if that could become an opening, especially if Belichick was interested in going there. Although a power coach and owner Jerry Jones don't necessarily mix all that well. But what a wild coaching cycle this is going to be with those two guys out there a lot of names out there a lot of teams floating around that need coaches just kind of struck me I don't think we've seen a coaching cycle like this for a while where guys of that caliber were suddenly going to be available in the NFL and does remind you too Harbaugh seemed like he was pretty close to getting the Vikings job a couple of years ago when Kevin O'Connell got it instead interesting to think about hindsight there and what could have been what might have been what could have been different if the Vikings had gone in that direction that will do it for me today hope you guys enjoyed the show I'm um, gonna have Randy Johnson on Thursday show to talk go for hockey maybe a little go for football as well Chip Scoggins on Friday show to talk about his latest project that's coming out this weekend so lots of good stuff coming up enjoy the rest of your Wednesday back at it again tomorrow tomorrow